Welcome back to another episode of Agile Way podcast, where we explore challenges organizations face on their Agile journey. How to become great Scrum Master, how to change your leadership style, or how to embrace agility at the organization level. I'm Suzy Shukova, Agile coach, certified Scrum trainer, and author of the great Scrum Master book and Agile leader book, and I'm your host for this podcast. I'm passionate about business agility, organizational culture, and Agile leadership, and that was the reason why I decided to start this podcast, to share with you my experiences and stories from my Agile journey. second series of this podcast focuses on business agility and it's sponsored by Emergence Journal. Welcome here Ralph Rushmelen. He is a management 3.0 trainer, coach and consultant. He spent most of his professional career working with leadership and teams. He is an author of several great books. His last one, The Art of Teams, will be published somewhere in November, so very soon from our recording. And I would like to start with a first question. What Agile helped you learn about yourself? Mm, that's a good one. I think uh, what it made me realize is that in my private life, I don't like changes. And Agile made me realize that change is part of the world and that I also should embrace it in private life and should not be upset when my girlfriend changes the plan for tonight and she did not inform me. So that's something that really made me realize that hmm, I'm not that into change maybe. But on the other end, also realizing that it's part of life and you need to deal with it. And I think that's very important to realize. So that's uh, my learning, my takeaway in my life with Agile. Okay, you realize it, right? But then there is this usually longer journey to embrace it and start like accepting those changes, right? So uh, any tips like how you went through that part of your journey? Gee, um, I think it just when something changes in my private life or uh, agenda changes life last moment is just accepting it and, and seeing okay but it doesn't have to be bad you know i mean change has to, can be good and be open for it and 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 just have an open mind for it i think that's what i learned and that's how i deal with it and maybe in the past i was a bit like oh, i don't like it i have a plan in my mind for this weekend and that's what we're going to do but then i realized also maybe i should just have an open mind for it and experience those new experiences and and just see what will happen so and you just say that and all that friction disappeared and you'll be happy about changing your plans that yeah, sounds no, almost unbelievable I'm not saying that the friction disappeared but it's less than in the past ah i see <laughs> in good relationship you also have to have some fights now and then huh? oh, i see i see so and yeah and not all changes that my girlfriend proposes are good so also sometimes like nah we're not gonna do that so it's also just question the change sometimes. Mm, question the change is always good. So working with organizations, what do you think is uh, messing the most currently in organizations? Um, I think that really depends on organization, but I'm now working with organization where the biggest problem is the traditional finance budgeting and the agile way of working that the teams do that in this case, they imply safe, uh, the trains are doing. And that really conflicts. And uh, an example, uh, they had now last week or week before the planning for the last quarter. 
and now they realize that some topics will not be finished this year. So they have to do move over to the next year. But next year, the new budget is starting and they don't have budget for those new topics. And that's contradiction, like really the old traditional budgeting and then a new way of working, like it's just a flow. We just have rolling budget that that's really a clash. And I think that's with a lot of organizations, especially large organizations, where this is really an issue. I was working with capital finance people and I always found it the hardest part of the organization. So do you have any tips like how to help them understand it? Because when you start, when I start talking about those type of things, it's like, no, 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 that's not how the budgeting works. And we are simply just done, right? So any tip? Food is a difficult one because I mean, if it would be simple, it would have already been resolved. Uh, so the tip, I think it's just at least stay in communication with those people and, and don't get into uh, arguments and don't say agile is the best way to go because those people come from a completely different mindset, completely different worlds. And also understand that they have some legislation, especially when they're a large corporation with shareholders and, 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 and uh, book uh, years that have to close, etc. So it's not that simple. It's not that often not that they don't want to, but they're also tied with constraints from their department. So I think the most important tip is to stay in contact, have the communication going and just try it step by step. And sometimes also just accept that some changes are very hard to do and will take years if, it, if, it's, if it's even already possible. So be very patient. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, some people think, oh, we're going to do agile and a large organization. So let's make a plan. And then within a year, we're all done. Yeah. Within one year, you just start. But that's something they don't expect either, right? They, uh, I remember first time I was in a really huge organization on the board, they asked me like, how long is it going to take us? And I was like thinking, they expect a year. So I'll tell them five. It's bigger than they expect, but it's not still real, but it at least will give them some impression. And when I say five, they were like, what? Yeah, that can't be true. Exactly. That's true. We have a plan, right? Yeah, and if you have bad luck, then there will be a new CEO who thinks it should be done differently. So it's also always like some kind of wave. It's going up, and then they're going to move back a bit, and then going to move again to Agile, and then move back. And it's, it's yeah, it's always, uh, yeah. I mean, it takes time, a lot of time. And indeed, as you, I agree with you, five years, it's very common. I mean, you're talking about changing the mindset of people, changing their behavior. And they have a budget for a year. They have this year cycles and they once a year do that budget. And then they realize, hey, it's not working well. We're gonna change it. And the next year, oh, we forgot to change it. We have to really change it next year. And then before you know, you're already three years ahead. That's right. And I see those organizations being on their journey like for 20 years now, and they are yeah. still have something to get better. They are actually much better than they used to be. Much more flexible, I mean by better, much more uh, successful also as their businesses, delivering more value, but still, you know, are they done? I don't think they're ever going to be done anyway. No, but I think that's indeed also what the, the, the agility that you mentioned in this podcast. I mean, that is the agility. They did improve. And yes, they're not the perfect class book example of uh, agile, but they did improve. And they are able to deal with the change in this world. And of course, they're not there yet. But will ever, I mean, they will never be there. There's no ending. There's no finish line that you can say, oh, now we're done. And that's hard because they want to be done, market done, get their bonus and move on, right? But that's not happening. Yeah. With the traditional budgeting that they have, you do a budget, you have a year and then you're done, you set your goals, you make your goals and you plan. And that's not how it works. So how do you work with organizations uh, about setting the goals and do you use some OKRs or what, what is your suggestion around those type of things? 
Okay, ask can work. Um, I'm, I'm not really connected to one approach. I think it's just having an open mind. And uh, I think the most important thing is to have that rolling idea, rolling forecast, rolling budgets. I don't care how you're going to call it or what you're going to use. But realize that the world will change and, and that you need to adapt during the year. And OKRs can be perfect for that. Uh, on the other hand, very hard to implement. So some people, I think, underestimate it. I think, oh, we're going to do objective key results and then ready to go. But I think it's very hard to implement correctly. Uh, so for me, it's more like, OK, let's set realistic goals, involve people in setting goals, uh, and review them regularly and accept that they will change. I mean, I did a workshop last week, finally in person again. That was already not a discussion, but very good. And we talked about vision. And, and my statement always is, the vision can also, also change. It's not that you set your vision in stone for the next 10 years. You also need to adapt your vision. If the world is changing and you keep working with your old vision, that will not work. So the same with the target setting and then the goal setting. It should be revised regularly. And depending on which level, you should revise more often. I mean, a team can maybe review it every quarter. And as an organization, you don't want to review your uh, vision goals every month. Uh, but also, if it's a small organization, why not? And I think that's important that you have that open mindset and, and revise, review regularly and, and are willing to adapt when it's needed. And you work a lot with uh, management and leadership of organizations. So uh, what is the biggest issue they are solving right now in your clients, maybe? The biggest is whew, so many again. I think um, it's like managers, leaders, uh, teams have to change. But then, okay, but let's take a mirror. What do you need to change? And I think most leaders, managers just look at the teams, at the departments that they are willing, uh, want to change and that they need to change and they give them well, digital transformation programs. But I think in the end, they also need to change. And that's for many leaders, very hard to accept and to do it. Just like I started this uh, podcast, which I also needed to embrace change. Um, and it took me a few years. And still now and then difficult, but also for leaders for large organizations, also small organizations. I mean, you also need to change your behavior. You need to let go. You need to trust your teams. And I think that's the biggest challenge because all those years, especially as more traditional managers have been told, you need to check constraints, uh, trust is better, uh, trust is good, verify is better. And that kind of mindset, you need to let go. And then you need to trust teams. You need to trust people. And that's hard to do. And then I always give them the example, okay, uh, but people that you work with, they have a house, a mortgage, they got kids, insurances, they make big decisions at home. And that always, not always, but often goes well. They make investments at home, they decide when to buy new furniture, and then they go to the office and then suddenly they're not allowed to make any decisions anymore. That's weird. While at home they are allowed to make life, deci life changing decisions. And having those people, that mindset in the office, that's, I think, the biggest challenge for people to accept from managers and leaders. And I'm not saying that an office should be a playground that you can do everything you want. I mean, there are still some constraints and, 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 and rules maybe in place, but as least as possible. It's very different. So how do you help them to build a trust? Because uh, that's missing in many organizations, right? People don't really trust each other that well that yeah. much at that certain level. So how can you start? Uh, drinking beer always helps. And, um, but I think it's, there's a sense of truth in it. I mean, it's about getting to know each other, getting to understand the people and getting connected and having a clear vision, a clear goal. I mean, if you all have the same goal and you get to know each other and you know that you're really contributing, that you really want to realize that goal, that you're committed for that goal, then people will do that. 
uh, and also accept that people will sometimes make mistakes. As also a leader, manager will make mistakes. So why not allow those people to make mistakes? And if they make a mistake, no problem. What did we learn? What can we do better next time? And just accept it. And don't be bully as a manager and then punish people somehow or give them a bad review, but just accept, hey, they made a mistake. Cool. They took responsibility. Or they are upset about something. That shows that they care about something. So I think if you want to grow trust, it's about getting to know each other, um, hanging out, uh, a lot of tools you got for that, um, accepting that people will make mistakes and give them freedom, give them trust, give them a goal that they can connect to, that they really want to accomplish and have that goal clear. Because so many organizations, it's like, okay, what is the goal of the team? What is the purpose? And then it's like, yeah, I don't know. We just have to do this or that. And But having that purpose clear that people can connect to it, I think that's very important. Without the purpose, there is no direction, right? So they, everybody goes a different direction. I teach a lot of Scrum Masters and there are very common comment on that trust level is, but what shall we do with those lazy people or the people who don't give enough into it? And I'm like, oh, it's, come on. You need to trust them, right? But uh, what's your take on this? Or how do you deal with this situation yeah. to make it open? The first assumption is that I don't believe people come to work to sabotage. I mean, I don't believe that. I mean, and that's maybe naive. Maybe sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed, but that's my statement. I don't believe people come to work to sabotage things. So if you got those people in the team that are not performing or they don't do anything or they're slacking or whatever people think about it. I mean, did you talk with those people? Did you have an open conversation with them? Did you go out for a walk around the office building and have a safe environment where you can really talk about, hey, well, what is bothering you? How can I help you? And I think another one, and, and it's also about motivation. What drives those people? And I think in the end, and I think that's uh, especially with uh, some managers, leaders who are relatively young in their professional career, in the end, you can also decide that it doesn't work. And that's something that some people are not really into to taking action in that. But sometimes you also need to decide, hey, it just doesn't work. We're not connected anymore. We had a great time for the last five years, but we see that it's not working anymore. So we need to find a different role. We need to do something and we need to make take some action. I think that's also part like in the Agile community, it's always like peace and it's always flowers, a bit exaggerating. <laughs> but sometimes you also need to say it doesn't work. You need to take action on that. And that's hard to do, but it's also part of being a manager or leader. That's right. And I think uh, very often those agile coaches, scrum masters, they feel like, no, no, we should not do that, right? But uh, maybe we should be open about it and transparent. And Yeah, and, and, and I compare it always with the garden. I mean, you're the garden of your team and you protect the garden and you give it water, you protect it from the frost, from the snow. But sometimes you also need to cut some branches to make the garden grow again and to make it look better. And I think indeed for some scrum masters, coach, that's a bit difficult to do. They, 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 they find it hard to do. And it's not easy. I'm not saying that's easy to have that conversation with someone, but I think it's also part of your role as a scrum master. Also have that kind of conversation, like, hey, it's not working out. We need to take action. I think that's fair to everyone, to the person who's not feeling well in the team, not motivated, but also to the team. So we were talking about a lot of challenges here. Uh, so they have some success story of some company has been doing really like great on their journey, something like, uh, you know, which would bring more positivity. It's, it's possible and it's going to work. Um, true, it's possible to work. I mean, a lot of companies are doing great. I mean, um, 
as I said, the last workshop that we did last week was with the 40 people from HR who really want to become change agents in the organization. And I'm really happy about that kind of thing because I think HR has a very important role. And they're often seen like, oh, they're not agile and they're just lagging and etc. But this team, those 40 people really say, we want to be the change agent in the, in the organization. We want to be the, 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 the business partners for change through our business. We really want to help them. And that kind of workshop, that kind of mindset that really gives me energy. I think, okay, they really get it. And uh, not a customer that I'm working with, they're doing very traditional, no, not traditional, but they're doing uh, hardware development. But they're really into the agile mindset. They really try to embrace agile where possible, although they're doing hardware. And it's difficult because hardware projects always take a little bit longer. It's an embedded system, so it's not that easy to change. Now, uh, well, call it uh, change the hardware, change the, the, the prototypes. But still, they completely embrace it. So having that mindset with those people, I mean, that really gives me energy. I think there are a lot of companies who are doing great in this agility. What is a hot topic in uh, in this business agility, uh, according to your knowledge understanding? Oh, hot topic. I think. What I just mentioned, I mean, HR is now stepping more and more into. Um, and I think what you see now is that more and more organizations are now expanding their agility uh, outside of IT uh, into HR, finance, uh, things like that, uh, budgeting. So I think that's a hot topic. That's more and more people, organizations struggling with. Uh, how can we make agile not just an IT party thing, but also implement it in different uh, parts of organization and really become agile as an organization? Um, and I think that's the challenge for a lot of organizations nowadays. And also, again, we just talked about with the budgeting, uh, yearly budgets versus agile way of working on, on with the teams, that kind of things. And you just uh, finished uh, or almost finished your book, Art of Teams. So can you share more insights about that book? Yes, it's a great book, of course. Indeed. Yeah, um, yeah it's a book about uh, teams. And I don't believe in one silver bullet. Uh, so I look at different uh, team models and also uh, different ways of uh, research done on teams and combine that in uh, six things that every team has. It's about clarity, it's about uh, caring about results, having conflicts, uh, understanding the impact that they make, caring about results. What did I miss now? Always miss one. But those six components uh, where I share theory and what I really like in books is also about practical stuff. Okay, nice that you talk about having conflicts in the team, but how do I get a conflict in the team that is really productive? So it's really a mix of theory and practices, uh, what really gives you hand-on hand -on tips, how to implement those things. As you said, it's published in October, November, always takes a bit more time than expected. Uh, but I think it, it looks very good and I'm uh, curious what people will think about it. And it's always a bit uh, scary, is the wrong word, exciting to launch a book and get feedback from the community about if they like it, not like it, but uh, I like it. I mean, for me, it's always fun to write, to do the research, to dive into it, and then to share something with the world. I mean, it's fun. And I'm looking forward for the fresh new copy. I've, been, I've got the pleasure to read the uh, draft version. Yeah, so that was really good. Yeah. I think it's going to be a really great book. Speaking of teams, right? If you're forming a brand new team, what are your tips on like what you should care of or take, um, think about maybe? Yeah, one thing uh, is the trust part, uh, one of the components in the book also. Uh, so really get to know the team members, really spend time on that. Uh, and not just about your professional career, but also who are you outside of work? 
because I don't believe that you are a work person and a private person instead of yourself, you got one person that's a combined. So I think that's very important. And the other thing I think is very important to get clarity about the team. What can we do? What I mean, it's more like writing a user manual for the team, by the team. So how do you approach the team? What should you not do with the team? What should, do you, what should you do with the team? And get that clarity for the team and also to the outside world. I think that's very important. And I think one thing that we already talked about um, is having that goal clear. Why is this team here? And I read a, a nice quote last week. I forgot where it was. But uh, what would the world miss if your team would not be there? Something like that. So what is your team contributing to the world? And I think that's a very good question. And for some teams, it's very hard to answer. I agree. Just I was just imagining some of those teams, like if you ask them this question and they look at you with this eyes, big eyes, like think like, what do you mean by that? Do like, we make the world better? And of course, everybody has a different view on what is a better world, but how do you make the world better as a team? I think that's a very important question. And it also comes back to what we talked about motivation, people not uh, working well in the team or performing well. But if the team even doesn't know what their goal is, then how do you expect people to contribute to the team? Those are all great tips. So I was wondering, you know, motivation is one of those typical topics. What are your thoughts on how to work with people and help them to get more motivation? I think it really depends per person. I think that's already the first step to realize that everybody's motivated by different things. And um, of course, salary is one of those motivation parts. Extrinsic motivation needs to be there. It needs to be good. It needs not to be a discussion. Um, but I think it depends a bit on the team's way work, but I think if you give them challenges and assignments, that's really motivating. And if you really listen to people, and again, ask what people are motivated by, and then try to get that in place. But I think that's one thing that we often forget. Um, ask people what they like, what they're motivated by. And I also realized, I mean, as many people probably, I went to the office back, uh, back to the office a few times in the last month, the talks that you have in the office, you did not have at home when you were working completely virtual. I mean, just those small talks with the coffee machine or when you meet someone and those kind of talks and then finding out what people motivate, what, what drives them, I think that's very important. But I think and you can talk about uh, the champ forks and all of Mentry Point oh, where they move those cars. In the end, also those cars, it's all about starting the conversation, talking with people and um, accepting that people are different and accept that people have different needs. And also maybe accept that sometimes you all have moments that are not that motivated. We all have those moments that we think, hmm. But I think the conversation and, and talking with people and be fair to people, be realistic, and maybe also, as we always said, sometimes say to people that we can't realize that for you at this moment. I mean, that's not part. I mean, if you really like your innovative project and you're in a legacy project, yeah, I mean, that is reality at this moment. But also be fair to those people. But summary, talk. Talk, talk, talk. Communicate. That always helps. Always I'm do. quite sure about that, yeah. yeah. So speaking of this virtual, going back to office or not, so what do you see around yourself? Like, are people coming back to the offices or are there any companies who are just um, stopping having any office and saying, like, we, have, we go to virtual only? And what are your thoughts about this? Yeah, my thoughts on what I see happening is two different things. <laughs> But what I see, and that's also what we've talked about already in this podcast about change, changing behavior. I mean, people work for two years, one and a half year from home, home office, at least in the Netherlands. 
and now they're going back to the office. They're so are back. they? Yeah, because in the US, I hear stories that there is a lot of people who just make an agreement they never go to the office again. So uh, maybe it depends a bit on the size organization, but I see in the Netherlands, uh, especially large organizations, uh, most of them are now saying, okay, you're allowed to work one or two days from home, where in the past I was not allowed, and we expect you to be in the office three or four days. So that kind of uh, schedules are now popping up. Um, I, don't hear, don't see many organizations are going to say, okay, we're completely going virtual. Um, no, that's, I mean, maybe small ones, but big organizations in the Netherlands, they're just going back to the office, more flexible than in the past. That's definitely true because people also like it working from home. On the other hand, and that's also including myself, also like to be in the office now and then. I mean, having that cup of coffee with people, having that informal talks, uh, quickly being able to walk to someone and seeing that he's there. I mean, that also has its uh, yeah, advantages. So it's going to be some kind of hybrid model where I think in the Netherlands, the most people will be in the office for three, four days and then a small part at home. Which helps them to build relationships and trust as well, right? So I think that would be a good mixture, I guess. Yeah, but I think it will be okay also, but I think it's more like a mindset. I mean, mm -hmm. going back to the office is okay, but the mindset should be, it doesn't matter where I work. Today I will work in the office, tomorrow I will work from home and I do the same work, I do the same meetings, I do everything the same, it's just a different place that I work. And what I see is that still a lot of organizations are really like, okay, in the office you do office work and at home you do other work, uh, focused on things like that. But they don't look at it as like, it doesn't matter where you are, they really connect the location to the work that you do. Interesting. They have a last question for you. And that's a bit visionary, a bit open question again. So uh, what is the future of Agile? Like, where do you see Agile shifting in like 20 years from now, right? Last yeah. 20 years, it shifted significantly to something okay. else. So where do you see this future coming? Um, good question. My oldest daughter is 19. She's now doing, uh, starting the Polytech University. So she will go to work in three, four years. And I think also with those young people, they don't work agile. They just do their work, you know, and they just get together in the morning to synchronize the work that they do. And then they make plans for the next uh, two months, three months, and then they review them again. And if you would tell them, like we old people, consider myself old, <laughs> tell them, hey, you're doing agile, they will say, agile, what is agile? So I think it will be more and more become the common way of working for a lot of organizations. And they don't realize it is agile anymore because it's just the way how you work, you know, I mean, with change with everything going on, I mean, it's not like, oh, we're doing agile, no, you just do your work. And I think what you will see is a lot of organizations adapting their own way of working. I mean, parts of Scrum, parts of Safe, parts of Less, uh, Nexus, uh, Kanban, they combine it to something that will work for them. And it will be more about the mindset that people understand that hey, it's about change, it's about improving, doing better practice. And if they combine Scrum with Less, Nexus, Safe and whatever, I don't care, they don't care, they just make it work for them. And I think that's where we're heading. And in 20 years, I don't know, I mean, something like that. I mean, I don't even know what I will do in five years. So let's we'll talk about 20 years. That's right. Life is changing. Everything's going to be different. But thank you very much for your thoughts. It's been a pleasure to host you on this podcast. Thank you. It was very nice. And in a summary, changing in organizations will take years. Within a year, you just started. So stay in contact, keep the communication going, and the organization will improve and will get better 
in dealing with difficulties in this world. There is no ending, there is no finish line, but they definitely improve over the years. The most important is to be able to realize a change and implement the idea of rolling forecast and rolling budget and be able to adapt during the year. Leaders need to change first, be able to let go, trust the teams, and it's hard to do. Learn from mistakes, give them freedom, and also give them clear goal, clear purpose. People are not coming to work to sabotage, so talk to them, understand their motivation, but also be ready to be transparent and open if it doesn't work. Be fair to people, but also be realistic. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Agile Way podcast hosted by Zuzi Shukovana, author of the Great Scrum Master book and Agile Leader book. If you love listening to this podcast, please leave us a review. If there is any topic you are particularly interested in and would like to hear another episode on it, let me know. For more information about me and my Agile classes, visit our website sochova.com s-o-c-h-o-v-a.com Thank you for listening.